Broadcasting from the Unshackled Studios in Melbourne, this is Will's Front, brought to you by the Unshackled.net. Now here's Tim Wills. Hello everyone and welcome to another Monday night edition of Wilms Front. It is the 11th of April 2022. We are live on the Wilms Front YouTube, DLive and Odyssey channels as well as on the interactive entropy software. It is 8.30pm here in Melbourne, Victoria, and the federal election has finally been called for Saturday the 21st of May. Scott Morrison finally ended the agonising period of political limbo post the budget, announcing the election yesterday after visiting the Governor-General in Canberra, who issued the election writs for the 151 seats of the House of Representatives and 40 of the 76 seats in the Senate. Uh, all of the, the news coverage yesterday had uh, live pictures of Scott Morrison's plane uh, going from Sydney to, to Canberra, and then they have the, the chopper following the Comcar 1, which he was using to go visit the, the Governor-General, which has the flags on the, on the, on the bonnets. So, uh, and they have people live at uh, outside Government House and all over the place. In the lead up to the official election campaign, uh, Scott Morrison, he seemed to have done everything he could to remind voters of his uh, worst character and political qualities. In recent interviews, he has been caught out blatantly lying. His pre-election federal budget had no fiscal management strategy for budget repair or cutting waste, but was all about uh, buying people's votes at the ballot box. His focus on seeing everything as a political issue or problem uh, was again brought back into focus by his uh, government's uh, response uh, to the northern New South Wales uh, floods, uh, when at first they only granted disaster relief payments uh, to towns in the federal National Party held a seat of page, which includes Lismore, before granting them uh, to those uh, towns in the federal Labor Party held seat of Richmond. This uh, disregard of disaster affected people because they happened to live in a safe Labor seat saw New South Wales Liberal Upper House MLC, Catherine Cusack uh, resign uh, her seat and from the party. Uh, Morrison has form on uh, this partisan approach to funding as the uh, previous uh, sports rorts uh, saga before the last uh, federal election along with uh, car, park, car park rorts uh, demonstrated. Uh, Morrison goes into this uh, federal election not having achieved any major policy or political reforms over his nearly four years as Prime Minister. And if he is re-elected for another three-year term, he hasn't really promised anything meaningful other than uh, not being Labor and not being Anthony Albanese, who would definitely be weaker on national security, civil liberties and on fiscal management. Uh, Albo had a shocker first day today when he didn't know what uh, the official cash rate interest rate is, which is 0.1%, and didn't know the official unemployment rate, which is uh, 4%. 
we had uh, in the the last uh, sitting week, well, it was budget week, on budget night, actually, Scott Morrison's political character was systematically uh, dismembered by outgoing New South Wales Liberal Senator Conchetta Ferravanti-Wells, who in a 10-minute speech uh, called Scott Morrison a fake conservative, fake Christian. He uh, said he was not fit to be Prime Minister, was a ruthless... Uh, bully and autocrat of the, the highest order. Uh, Conchetta Ferravanti-Wells uh, lost her winnable spot on the New South Wales Coalition Senate ticket, uh, sh- blaming a, fa- a factional uh, stitch-up between Immigration Minister Alex Hawke and New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet to put Jim Molan on their last remaining winnable Senate spot. She also took a whack at Hillsong Church and its former head pastor and uh, mentor of Scott Morrison, Brian Houston. Uh, Connie also retold the controversial circumstances in which Scott Morrison obtained pre-selection in the seat of Cook in 2007. He lost the first pre-selection to Michael Toke, 82 votes to eight, but Toke was disendorsed by the New South Wales Liberal State Executive following allegations of brand stacking. Uh, Scott Morrison won the second ballot. Uh, Connie retold allegations that Scott Morrison played the race guard against Toke, allegedly telling pre-selectors we can't have a person of Lebanese background running for the Liberals in Cook. It was 18 months after the Cronulla riots took place in the electorate of Cook. Michael Toke won a defamation payout against News Corp for publishing the branch stacking allegations, uh, as well as uh, uh, publishing uh, allegations that uh, Toke uh, puffed up his resume. Uh, So Toke should have been the rightfully pre-selected candidate in Cook uh, for the Liberals in 2007. Uh, Michael Toke uh, sat down with Waleed Ali on the project last Wednesday night to talk about his experience during the Cook pre-selection battle and gave his own character assessment of Scott Morrison. The reason why Conchetta Ferravanti-Wells' character assessment of Morrison was so devastating is because it came from the right. Uh, Connie is a lifelong Christian conservative political warrior. She voted against same-sex marriage and in the last term of parliament voted with uh, Pauline Hanson's bill to abolish vaccine passports and mandates. She was offered the position of ambassador uh, to the Vatican to leave the Senate quietly. Uh, She's an Italian of, uh, well, Catholic of Italian scent, but she instead chose to tell the truth about Morrison. This past week uh, also saw the outgoing member for Dawson, uh, George Christensen, uh, resign uh, from the the Liberal National Party of Queensland, uh, stating that uh, it was a party that uh, no uh, no longer, well, in his words, seemed anything uh, but uh, conservative. So... And, uh, of course, uh, we had uh, last Friday uh, the uh, former uh, Northern Territory Country Liberal Party Senator Sam McMahon announcing she would be recontesting the the Senate running uh, for the Liberal Democrats. 
and on uh, there's also former Queensland LNP Premier Campbell Newman and former New South Wales Liberal Party reform activist John Ruddick also running uh, for the Liberal Democrats in the Senate. And of course, during this parliamentary term, Scott Morrison also lost backbencher Craig Kelly, who now leads the United Australia Party, who was disgustingly uh, assaulted uh, by an ant- well-organised uh, Antifa uh, hit job in, in Melbourne. There was a, a getaway uh, vehicle after this woman uh, assaulted him uh, with an egg. And uh, apparently these uh, three uh, Antifa uh, extremists uh, are still at large. Uh, Victoria Police are, are apparently still hunting them down. Also last Thursday on uh, Q&A, Director of Policy at the Institute of Public Affairs, Gideon Rosner, who has previously run for Liberal pre-selection, was also scathing of Scott Morrison's uh, performance as Prime Minister. My concern is what Scott Morrison has done to the Liberal Party and to liberalism, to the values that I've subscribed to. Uh, my concern is the fact that the Morrison government has embroiled Australia in a trillion-dollar debt uh, that has ramped up online censorship, that it um, made it a criminal offence for Australian citizens during the pandemic to re-enter their own country, rendering them stateless. Uh, the, the, the Morrison government engaged in that awful state-sanctioned theft that was robo-debt. Uh, I think those are much more important issues to talk to the Prime Minister's character and his judgement and his leadership. And I have to say, Scott Morrison would have to be, in my opinion, uh, the worst Prime Minister the Liberal Party has put up since Billy McMahon, except Billy McMahon had principles. (laughs) And for those of you unaware, uh, Billy McMahon, he was uh, the Liberal Prime Minister of Australia from 1971 to 72. Uh, took over from uh, John Gorton, never won an election in his own right, but is uh, considered by both uh, sides of politics to be a bumbling fool and lost the 1972 election uh, to Gough Whitlam. Now, turning to my featured guest, who I interviewed last Friday, as I do during shows that feature a pre-recorded interview, I'll be in the live chat and then I'll be back live to wrap up the show at the end of the evening. Please enjoy uh, my discussion about uh, deconstructing SCOMO with uh, Professor Augusto Zimmerman. This is Will's Front, brought to you by theunshackled.net. Uh, Conchetta Veravanti-Wells is far from the only conservative critic scathing of Scott Morrison's lack of conservative principles and actions while Prime Minister. Uh, Rocco Loyacono and Augusto Zimmerman have published a collection of critiques of Scott Morrison entitled Deconstructing SCOMO, Critical Reflections on Australia's 30th Prime Minister. Uh, That book is available uh, from Lock Press. Uh, Augusto, he is a professor and the head of law at uh, the Sheridan College of Higher Education in Perth. He is also the founder and president of the West Australian Legal Theory Association and former 
Law Reform Commissioner with the Law Reform Commission of Western Australia. He is the author and editor of uh, numerous academic articles and books on fundamental freedoms and the rule of law. Augusto, welcome back to Wilmsfront. Thanks, uh, Tim. It's a pleasure to talk to you again. I really appreciate your work. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, we spoke a, a, around uh, a year ago, uh, post the, the the West Australian state election, with the it's one year into the the, the one party uh, state uh, with with Mark McGowan. Uh, we'll get into the uh, mess that uh, the rabble of the the WA Liberal Party is uh, later in the the show, but. The, the rest of uh, 2021 was, for both of us, uh, was pretty much the same as, as 2020. We were locked down again in a draconian police state here in Melbourne and Victoria, and the, the hard border went up in Western Australia uh, again. Yes, uh, it's a disgrace, you know. Once you, you open a precedent of this nature, uh, we will never be in peace again. They always uh, find an excuse to be implementing further measures. So um, I'm not surprised that this is uh, happening all over again. Uh, it is only going to stop when we make a decision, the people make a decision to uh, put an end to these um, instances of oppression and tyranny that uh, we are facing here in Australia. I find it quite uh, ironic that uh, Scott Morrison wants to fight for freedom in Ukraine and, and he did nothing to protect us here in, in Australia from all these arbitrary measures that have um, violated so profoundly our fundamental rights and freedoms. I guess that if I were in Russia, I would not even be fearing so much for losing my job because you know that in Western Australia, many people had to um, lose their jobs as a result of these uh, impositions. So we are... They cannot even have a coffee after that or, or grab a, a beer because uh, liquor shops and restaurants also are demanding this vaccine mandate. So it's like total oppression and tyranny. It's it's a joke when you, he claims that he's going to Ukraine to set the people there free when you have total uh, tyranny and oppression taking place in this country. Yeah, the, the irony of Scott Morrison uh, to claim that uh, we've got to uh, stand up for freedom and democracy in Ukraine. <laughs> a, a blind eye to uh, what the, the state and territory leaders have subjected Australians to the past two years and also the nerve of the various state leaders as well. I mean, Dan Andrews criticising the, the leadership of the, the Russian Federation. Um, I mean, give me a break. Uh, yeah, it's it is. Uh, it would be quite uh, funny if it were not so tragic. Uh, we know very well that um, in the process of doing these terrible things, they have uh, used a, a very Nazi method of imposing uh, urgent or emergency powers. That is a very typical strategy used by tyrants to consolidate their power and to undermine the constitution. Let's not forget that in 1930s, in a certain country in Europe, that everybody knows what country is, uh, the, the leader of this nation, of that nation in particular, uh, used emergency powers and renewed then 
constantly so that he could um, impose uh, these uh, violations of fundamental rights, even to the point of, um, of creating that total chaos that resulted in a Second World War. But more than that, ignoring the provisions of the Constitution itself, the Vermont Constitution was full of rights. It was even uh, based on that idea that we need to have a Bill of Rights in the document. But um, the Constitution itself can be and will be always disregarded, any Constitution whatsoever, when the elites or ruling classes can appeal to emergency. So the use of emergency powers is a common tool of uh, illiberal uh, oligarchs to actually undermine the rule of law and impose gross violations of, uh, or create gross violations of fundamental rights. Uh, it's, uh, it's not uncommon to see this to happen in history. And of course, uh, we are paying the price for a lack of vigilance and certainly for a lack of knowledge of history and know what uh, history could tell us and teach to us so that we would be able to avoid the mistakes of the past. You're a constitutional law expert and section 91 of the Australian constitution has been completely disregarded, trashed, which is that trade, commerce and intercourse among the states uh, uh, shall be absolutely free. And Australia is not technically one anymore. Uh, your state, Western Australia, still has entry requirements. Uh, I can't go to, to Western Australia because you have a triple vaccinated economy, which is even has more, even higher, has higher vaccine mandates and, and passports uh, than here in Victoria. Uh, so I can't, uh, I can't come. And uh, Scott Morrison has he was, appeared aside uh, Mark McGowan recently, where he said, uh, where they sort of joked about the the uh, Mark McGowan about keeping Scott Morrison out, like it was funny his uh, border closure cruelty, and uh, of course uh, he he backed the 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 reopening border delay, and of course that he he's been enabling of these uh, border closures since he cowardly backed out of Clive Palmer's first uh, a constitutional border challenge to the West Australian hard border. Yes, absolutely. And what happened is that um, he even uh, wrote a letter sent, sending this to uh, the Premier in, here in Western Australia, McGowan, to express his full support to these um, uh, this decision of closing the borders. And uh, in order to do so, uh, he uh, certainly um, uh, contacted others, including uh, prominent federal politicians who also lent their support. As a result of that, the High Court uh, uh, felt that it was um, consensus amongst these uh, political parties, uh, the mainstream parties, that uh, the borders should definitely uh, be closed uh, because of the idea that um, uh, we are facing a, a very deadly virus. But um, this is, as you say, uh, occurred in violation of a particular uh, provision, uh, namely the section 92 of the constitution saying that the borders should be absolutely free uh, 
and the um, uh, draft has had this in mind. So that's one of the reasons uh, uh, as to why we have a, a federation that is the free movement of individuals uh, uh, being able to cross the borders. But the borders have been totally closed ever since. And not only that, but uh, the premier uh, has now even appointed the vaccine commander to be the premier, sorry, to be the governor of Western Australia in reward for his uh, uh, very servile behavior and in, uh, in, in, in uh, upholding these um, measures and enforcing these measures on the people here in Western Australia. So Chris Dawson, who was the vaccine commander and the he, he remains as the police commissioner, has just been appointed the governor of Western Australia. So uh, we see that the system is now not working as it should. And those who have been directly responsible for so much chaos and, and suffering and pain are now being uh, duly rewarded for basically serving an oppressive and tyrannical regime. And McGowan is a very problematic character because not only he imposes these draconian measures that have destroyed so many lives, but he actually uses a very suspicious uh, language to refer to these people, telling them that they have to grow a brain, they are drop kicks. The, all this language to dehumanize people uh, reminds me of certain regimes of the 20th century that always start with this kind of language, but then they end up uh, causing even more harm that we are seeing now. So this is the beginning of something that can potentially be extremely dangerous and destructive of, of our society. And a, another cornerstone of Australia's constitution is the, the separation of powers. And we have seen, you mentioned the, the emergency powers uh, provision of another country in the, the 1930s. Many Australians were unaware that there are all of these various public health acts ready to be enacted, which the the premiers and the, the health ministers could, could just uh, control all of their residents' lives just, just like that, that they could change it on a whim that on this day you're only allowed to do this, uh, the next day it could get even even more draconian. Yes, um, the, change, the rules change on a daily basis and that is uh, one of the reasons as to why we can claim that the rule of law is not really being um, respected because one of the characteristics of uh, a government under the rule of law is that these um, uh, legislations or, or laws, they have to actually uh, be scrutinized and they have to be passed by the proper branch of government that is responsible ultimately for the, create, the creation of the most substantive laws, namely the parliament. So what's happening here is, is the breach of that important doctrine of separation of powers that uh, according to experts, uh, constitutional law professors and legal theories are very, is very important for um, uh, the protection of individual rights and freedoms and to the protection of constitutional 
or preservation, better saying, of constitutional government. So uh, the, the rules that are being imposed at the moment undermine the Westminster system, undermine the rule of law, and in many instances actually violate, directly violate the constitution of this nation. So it's a very tragic reality of things, but I guess that this is what the ruling classes were expecting to do if you were not vigilant enough. There's been two periods of, of Scott Morrison's uh, prime ministership and uh, uh, your book uh, comments on, on both periods. There was the, the pre-pandemic Scott Morrison prime ministership and then the post-pandemic uh, uh, prime ministership. But uh, he has had the same uh, political and uh, ideological vac uh, uh, vacuous, uh, well, uh, Invacuous approach that he's just done, uh, he's done and said whatever he thinks will be politically expedient. Uh, early in his uh, prime ministership, just before the the federal election, there was the Christchurch massacre, where he uh, came out and was proposing all sorts of new uh, restrictions on on free speech. There's one before the the parliament to crack down on misinformation, and uh, Obviously, his uh, greatest uh, uh, greatest uh, or lack of uh, lack of action uh, during the the pandemic is his uh, delegation of uh, responsibility. He has always said uh, during various stages of the pandemic, "That's that's not my problem. Uh, that's a subject for the states." And Albanese is called each way elbow, but there's also each way scomo saying, I don't like these vaccine mandates and passports, but my hands are tied. I can't do anything because I'm the prime minister. They're set by the, the, the states. Yeah. Well, this is a major problem, as you say, because uh, the problem with, uh, <coughs> with Scott Morrison and, and his government is uh, prior um, the, to, to the uh, so-called pandemic. Um, the IPA, the Institute of Public Affairs, uh, may put this very clearly in the uh, legal rights report, fundamental legal rights report, when uh, the main drafter of this report, Morgan Berg, uh, explained in this document that uh, the Scott Morrison uh, government is responsible, the, the coalition, for the worst violations of fundamental rights in the whole history. Of, of Australia. And, and the interesting thing about this is that this report is from 2000, I think 2018. So this is prior to uh, the pandemic, uh, so-called pandemic measures. And um, Scott Morrison has a, a track record of disregard, not only for freedom of speech when he says that freedom of speech is not important, and I'm not here to say that the opposition leader would do anything better than this. He is absolutely dreadful as well. So we are in a very terrible situation where both uh, uh, prime minister and leader of the opposition are uh, directly responsible for uh, the current situation. But um, Scott Morrison also has a disregard for due process and natural justice. Not only he made a spurious accusation saying that... Um, 
indirectly ma making this accusation by saying that uh, the terrorist in, in Christchurch was a right winger. And then we realized later that um, that he was a radical environmentalist who loved communist China. That doesn't really make him a right winger at all. And not only that, but at the top of this, he actually uh, uh, had a, a total um, ab abhorrence of Donald Trump, saying that Donald Trump was a terrible president and so forth. That doesn't fit the bill as um, a right winger. He's certainly not the case. But then Scott Morrison likes to make false accusations sometimes, including when he claimed that the justice system in Victoria had done a great job and that Cardinal Pell would definitely lose his order of Australia. And then, of course, we know, now know that he has been uh, acquitted by the, by the High Court. But um, Scott Morrison assumed that Cardinal Pell uh, was guilty, even to the point of, of threatening to remove his order of Australia. This is absolutely outrageous. But he not only did that, but also accused uh, defense forces in Afghanistan of having committed crimes against humanity, thereby giving ammunition to uh, rogue regimes in, all over the world to be accusing us of violations, uh, gross violations of human rights when this uh, was not subject to proper investigation and due process. He was accusing this nation and the soldiers are fighting for uh, in, on behalf of the Australian people in Afghanistan and protecting the people there of having committed such terrible crimes. So uh, I'm absolutely appalled to see that we don't even need Russia or China to be attacking us because the Prime Minister is doing a very good job in destroying uh, the rule of law in this nation. And earlier this year, he also uh, prejudiced the, the upcoming uh, trial of the, the, the man accused of uh, sexually assaulting uh, Brittany Higgins, uh, Bruce Lehman. And he, yes. there was uh, many uh, uh, lawyers and legal academics rightfully scathing of his, his comments in the parliament, basically implying that uh, he, he that uh, the a, a guilty verdict was uh, was was already had already been passed that basically it was beyond dispute uh, the uh, the the allegations and and now uh, Bruce uh, Lehman's uh, lawyers they're applying to the ACT uh, courts for a permanent uh, stay but Morrison he said that for politically expedient reasons just to get uh, Brittany Higgins and uh, Grace Tame off his back, uh, uh, saying that his government had a problem with women. Yeah, and let's not forget that uh, his first reactions are always uh, suspiciously uh, authoritarian. Uh, his first uh, comments on any case matter whatsoever is always against the rule of law, against individual rights. I can give an example of um, Israel Falal. Uh, he put, put something on his Facebook passage from the Bible. It's his private Facebook. You might disagree or agree. Who cares, you know? It was posted this on his private Facebook. And then he actually said that the rugby league had uh, the right to do what they did and that he was also very offended by the comments made by Israel Falo. Of course, his first reaction is like that. It's very bad always. But then he tried to correct himself, saying, 
uh, other things later on when he realized that um, his opinion was quite uh, unpopular, especially amongst uh, Christian circles, because, of course, he claims to be a Christian and he tries to use this credential to basically deceive the useful idiots, as Lenin used to call. Unfortunately, there are many Christians who fall into this trap. But I can say, as a, a, actually a, a person who tries to, to take his faith seriously, that I can't see anything Christian about what he does. I don't think it's right and proper for a Christian person to be accusing others without enough evidence. And certainly, I would be in favor of extending religious freedom in a proper manner and not creating what he promised in a mosque about three years ago, which effectively amounts to Sharia law by stealth. That's the idea that religious uh, organizations must be protected from criticism. I think we should have more freedom for all, and rather than having anti-discrimination law on religious grounds, which is definitely going the wrong authoritarian way, we should have more freedom and we should have the restoration of freedoms that have been stolen by the likes of Scott Morrison and his uh, mates in Parliament. You were very uh, rightfully critical from the very beginning of uh, Scott Morrison and Christian Porter's uh, religious uh, discrimination bill, because you, right, as you just said, you uh, it could uh, have the the effect of actually protecting uh, religious practices that are against Western values. And you just mentioned yeah. uh, uh, sh Sharia law. It would be much better to have a a religious have well remove laws that uh, to increase uh, religious freedoms because you're just adding more uh, anti-discrimination regulations on top of the uh, existing ones uh, last week i had uh, uh, john uh, steinoff of the the human rights law alliance where we uh, discussed how john, oh, Stinghoff. Stinghoff. Yes. Stinghoff. Yeah, yeah, he's great he's great yeah discussed how uh, th th this bill uh, event eventually uh, went uh, went down uh, quite uh, badly in terms of uh, the the uh, political consequences for the the, the Morrison uh, government and in the end it was basically nothing the the bill yeah well they are so incompetent that they are unable to do anything proper and right. Um, I knew that this would be a disaster because they are unable even to amend Section 18C, you know. Um, Scott Morrison, when he was the treasurer, he said that uh, it was unimportant for us in this nation to have freedom of speech because it doesn't create a job. I'm not so sure. I certainly think this is an idiotic statement. Not surprised to see him making this sort of statement, but um, it's, not, it's utterly false. And you know that um, Professor Peter Reed from James Cook University, not such a long time ago, lost his job because of free speech. So yes. if free speech doesn't create a job, certainly you can, you can lose one by trying to speak out something that can be totally correct from a scientific point of view, but um, uh, debunking the arguments of the mainstream uh, academia and media and so forth. So um, definitely there is no such thing as freedom of speech now in Australia, thanks to the likes of these uh, politicians. 
who are unable even to repeal a section that has been used to even, um, I refer to Section 18C, to even create discrimination and to create forms of um, race-based discrimination. Let's not, in this case, ignore that uh, those students at QUT were complaining that a certain lab had been assigned to people who belonged to a particular uh, color of skin. And they made a very valid argument that the best way to fight against discrimination is to not have discrimination, mm -hmm. is to have equality. And that caused uh, then that sort of headache that they were um, having to answer for such a fair comment uh, before the Australian Human Rights Commission. Uh, so now if you fight against racism, you become a victim of the Section 18C, this relevant section. It's outrageous. But have you seen Scott Morrison say anything about this? Have you seen any politicians such as even Christian Porters, as you referred, complaining about this sort of uh, situation? No, they, they couldn't care less. So it's, it tells me that they also lack compassion and the desire to really uh, do the right thing for the people and restore the freedom. So they, they have no willingness. They, they are political opportunists, and I will be delighted when they uh, kick it out from parliament because we deserve to better, better to have better representation in our parliaments. And uh, Scott Morrison's enabling of uh, the, the the trend uh, against uh, the the rule of of law it uh, it can be argued cost uh, Christian Porter the the the, uh, the former attorney yeah. general his political career because a simple accusation ended his uh, political career. Uh, there it was. We uh, discussed we discussed the accusation against uh, against him uh, uh, last year when it first uh, surfaced. Uh, but uh, in uh, he uh, tr attempted to to sue the the ABC and. Louise uh, Milligan, it was sort of a, he claimed he had a slight victory when the, the ABC said they could never prove the, the accusation against him, but it cost him his uh, portfolio. He was shifted to, I can't even name the portfolio he took over, or it was one of those ones yeah. that, but uh, now he is uh, quitting parliament and in his uh, valedictory speech, uh, said that you know, we've got to protect the, the rule of law at, uh, at all costs, if only Scott Morrison uh, acted upon that. Yes. Well, uh, this case was doomed to be unsuccessful for uh, Christian Porter because the article did not refer to him. Um, it said that a certain minister had um, committed this um, uh, crime. So, but uh, he had to step in and to have to um, say that the article was about him. That makes it very difficult to win in a defamation case because uh, uh, the article, as, as I say, didn't refer to him, uh, uh, didn't name him. Um, Scott Morrison and him have introduced certain uh, laws here that are very terribly problematic from the perspective of due process. And even empowering uh, the state premiers to change their laws 
that ultimately remove the need for evidence and when it comes to dreadful accusations of rape of domestic violence. When I was a commissioner, I interacted with the then attorney general who was from the Liberal Party, and I showed him a pile of documents, something like this size, hundreds of pages of victims of false accusations, expecting that he would understand how dangerous this thing is about just believing in what a person might claim. Because you know that um, when it comes to uh, family law disputes, it, um, a person can take a huge advantage by making such uh, false allegations. And uh, the attorney general couldn't care less, and he was from the Liberal Party. Uh, I was outraged to see how a commissioner could be used for such terrible purposes of um, completely decharacterizing the report that we had produced, uh, a report that you expect to be used for the purposes of uh, amending the legislation in a proper manner so that um, these principles that I have referred uh, could be enhanced. And the outcome of the matter is that he did the very opposite of this, creating more of this undermining of these principles. And now we have more people uh, having their lives destroyed, the lives of children and innocent people. And because these uh, laws are written in a gender-neutral language, that can affect both men and women, you know. So it doesn't really matter. It's evil to allow these sort of things to happen. And it tells me that we do not have the rule of law in its um, uh, full implementation here in Australia. We lack in the realization of the rule of law for many reasons, including these ones that I have just uh, mentioned. The new Attorney General who took over from Christian Porter, uh, Michaela Cash, uh, also uh, a Western Australian, yeah. uh, went uh, all in uh, to, again, uh, help Scott Morrison neutralise the, the woman issue by uh, adopting uh, most of the, the recommendations of the, uh, the Jenkins uh, report set the, the, the standard by sex discrimination uh, Commissioner Kate Jenkins, which uh, in terms of uh, uh, due process in, in workplace uh, harassment claims, it's just further uh, erosion of the, the rule of law in private employment settings. Yeah, and do you see that uh, the Liberal Party itself, the, the federal Liberal Party, via uh, the demands of... Um, people such as Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, and others have been now pushing for this idea of quota, a gender quota in Parliament. And I thought that the person representing me uh, was not, wouldn't be so concerned about um, gender identity. It's not important for me to, to have, be represented by a man, a woman, or whatever. I just think that if you are representing some of the people in parliament, you represent everyone. It doesn't really matter. We should undoubtedly send the best and the most qualified people. And I guess that this is one of the reasons that um, uh, we have this problem of uh, representatives being so not qualified is because they, it seems that they are sometimes sent to parliament not on the basis of being competent 
of having merit, but because they have um, certain biological attributes. That is um, a very totalitarian way to see things. And um, Robert Menzies would be horrified to see what's happening. Robert Menzies has even speeches in parliament and even in conferences saying that uh, women should be treated equally and we should have the best people representing us. We should never have quota in the party. That's, that's uh, even a speech he made in the 1960s. So uh, I just wonder what Menzies would think about what's happening now with the Liberal Party. He would probably do what I did I was the senior vice president of the Liberal Party in my division, and I resigned in disgust because I have a name, a reputation, and I'm a serious man. I actually value liberty and the rule of law, and that's why I couldn't remain as a member of a party that is liberal only in name, but is comprised of characters who have no regard for individual rights and freedoms and the rule of law. So I, I did something that probably Menzies would be very proud of me. Well, Scott Morrison's health experts now, they, they can't even define uh, what uh, a, a woman is. So it's become so, it's even been blurred, uh, the, the, the biological uh, definitions that initially underpinned these, these various uh, gender quotas and gender agencies. So uh, the Morrison I government... I would be surprised if it's very soon you're going to have someone claiming to be a woman to have a seat in the Liberal Party. Very soon you're going to have, have this happening. Oh, who knows uh, what's going to be uh, possible, uh, allowed or mandated in the future. Though the Morrison government, they did do something uh, good at the end of last year. They appointed, uh, well, a, a, a respected legal academic that uh, you co-authored a book on 18C with uh, Lorraine uh, Finlay. And yeah. uh, the, the, the right uh, people were upset uh, with her uh, appointment uh, because uh, she doesn't believe in their uh, definition of uh, human rights. Uh, can you, obviously, you know... Uh, well, Lorraine, Lorraine, Lorraine Finley was my colleague at Murdoch, and as far as I know, she's a, a, a true true liberal, a classical liberal. She has um, a, a desire uh, to be um, an advocate for real human rights, uh, the rights uh, that are not invented by by these uh, social classes that are actually privileged to be considered on people on the basis of certain attributes, biologically or socially const constructed. So we couldn't have a better human rights uh, uh, commissioner who actually has a concern for real human rights that tend to be sometimes undermined by the fake ones. Because of course, real human rights and fake human rights can clash and people who abhor freedom, who abhor the rule of law, always favor the fabricated rights of the oppressing ruling classes. So Lorraine is a woman who has a consideration for uh, principles and elements of the rule of law, and she's an outstanding lecturer, which makes it quite surprising that she was appointed, because as far as I know, to be appointed for these positions, you have to be an idiot or serving the regime. 
So for her to be appointed is almost a miracle. And thanks for letting me know that Scott Morrison did something that I could agree with. I'm, I'm actually shocked to, to hear that I can agree with him on something. But certainly that was the only decent thing this government has ever done to appoint a proper person to the Human Rights Commission. Apart from, from this, I don't think I can ever agree with anything he does. And I will be even quite worried if it happens. Well, there was when Malcolm Turnbull was Prime Minister and uh, Gillian Triggs' term as Human Rights Commission President uh, expired, there was a campaign to, to draft uh, you uh, to, to be appointed as the, the new uh, president, uh, but uh, sadly that didn't come to, to pass. But uh, you and Lorraine on the, the Human Rights Commission and, well, let's add in if they appointed uh, James Allen uh, from the University of Queensland as well to the Human Rights yeah. Commission, then it would have been a, an actual Australian Human Rights Commission. Yeah, but we are not left-wing enough. Uh, we are not like Scott Morrison, who happens to be uh, turning the Liberal Party into uh, another version of the Labour Party. So. When I criticize Scott Morrison in the book, and by the way, the foreword of the book is written by Professor James Allen, uh, we are not saying that if you, are, if you finish reading the book, you're going to understand that we don't think it would be a good idea to vote for the other political party, the Labour Party, or to think that Albanese would do a better job. Of course, Scott Morrison has now the opportunity to go in history as the worst prime minister we have ever had. That's because he had this privilege to be the prime minister at this uh, terrible moment in history. But I think that this honor would be uh, not given to him. If Labour had won, it would go for uh, Albanese. Uh, I think the only difference between Albanese and Scott Morris is that Albanese is clearly bad. And he doesn't even pretend to not to be good because, of course, everything he does is so sincere. But I have to tell you that um, sometimes the worst enemy is the one who pretends to be your friend. And when it comes to both of these characters, the main difference between both is that Scott Morrison is more deceptive. And he uses sometimes uh, Christian terminology to deceive those who... Uh, um, not really properly considering the policies that his party has been implementing. But I think in many ways, he can be more dangerous than even Albanese because uh, he gives a false impression that we have a conservative government in power when everything he does is to undermine the various traditions of this nation, including when it comes to protecting fundamental rights and freedoms. And also, he, it, it's uh, come into focus uh, since uh, Conchetta Veribanti's Wells's uh, speech, or should I say, come into uh, further uh, focus. Uh, Scott Morrison's uh, troubled history uh, with the, the truth. Uh, he was uh, forced in an interview with uh, Six News uh uh, last week uh, to actually admit that he'd called uh, Sam Dastyari Shanghai Sam. He denied it, even though it's still that tweet is up calling him uh, Shanghai Sam. And then 
uh, also claiming that he hadn't been to, to Hillsong Church in, in 15 years. He always tries to sort of weasel his way out saying, well, I didn't say that I never went to Hillsong. I just said it's it's not my uh, church. And it's it's people on his own side who have been the, the most scathing. There's obviously the, uh, the leaked correspondence about what Gladys Berejiklian has has said about him, a horrible, horrible person, an evil bully, and that uh, unnamed cabinet minister who called him a complete psycho. And I suspect that that cabinet minister is probably the same one that uh, texted uh, Michael Toke to say that he believed him and uh, supported him telling the truth. Yes, uh, indeed. And, and just to give an idea how bad this is, I decided then to write the book because, you know, the reason I had to write the book is that every day he comes up with something that outrages me. It's a collection of bad, bad decisions, bad approaches to considerable uh, issues uh, pertaining to society. So I just thought, and then I approached Rocco, we needed to actually consolidate uh, these things because uh, it needs to be in history recorded of all these things that uh, he has been um, uh, causing to our nation. So the book is important, but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, it was impossible to record everything because if I open the newspaper today, I'll have something about uh, to say more about him. It's, it's, it's an unending source of inspiration for writers like me. So then I have to dedicate this book to Scott Morrison because I wouldn't be able to do such a thing without his assistance. Um, Scott Morrison definitely gives me a lot of reason to be writing articles and uh, books and so forth. But it's not something that I take pleasure at all. I would rather to have a, a proper leader of this nation having a, a regard for the things that we so much value the protection of rights and the rule of law. And then I would have written a book in praises of this leader. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Scott Morrison is an enemy of fundamental rights and freedoms, and he is effectively speaking cause, causing a harm to this nation that's beyond any possible measure. I think it is really a disgrace that you have a prime minister who has so little regard for the little people, the common people of this nation who are in a desperate need for the rights and freedoms to be finally given back and restored from them because they have been, objectively speaking, being taken away. And the reason he was so chummy with Mark McGowan when he came to uh, Western Australia, uh, was he's trying to sandbag uh, for uh, West Australian uh, federal liberal electorates. Uh, since the, the redistribution, the Liberals hold 10 uh, seats out of out of 15, and there's four under, under threat uh, at, at this uh, election. Uh, there's Pierce, which uh, Christian Porter is uh, vacating. There's also Swan, uh, which uh, 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 Steve Irons is vacating. There's uh, Hasluck, uh, held by Indigenous Affairs Minister Ken White. And then there's uh, Tangy, which is held by uh, Scott Morrison's uh, right-hand uh, man, uh, Ben Morton. Yeah, well, think about that. 
um, if he was so concerned about the terrible state of um, the Liberal Party in Western Australia, he would not be indirectly campaigning in favor of the Labour Party. Uh, he uh, not only uh, wrote that letter assuring uh, the dictator here in Western Australia, Magawa, that uh, the borders would definitely remain closed because if there was a legal case uh, eventually uh, set to the attention of the High Court, that he would intervene in favor of um, the Labour government in Western Australia. So he promised loyalty to the Labour Party and not the Constitution. But then uh, he actually claimed victory here for the devastation of the Liberal Party when he said that McGowan only won in a landslide the election, therefore decimating, deservedly so, the Liberal Party. But um, Scott Morrison said, well, I am very much responsible for this. I mean, he was claiming credit for the decimation of the Liberal Party, saying that enough of this would have occurred if he had not manifested his full and unconditional support to oppression and tyranny. And then, at the top of this, let's not forget, because thing, you live in Victoria, that Scott Morrison has uh, uh, mentioned uh, uh, the Premier of Victoria is doing an excellent job. He even said that he would give Dan Andrews unconditionally, unconditional support during that worst moment the, of the lockdowns in Victoria. He was saying that uh, Dan Andrews was not doing a wrong thing, that he would even give uh, Dan Andrews his unconditional support. So we now face the fact that these two parties are conspiring together against the best interests of the people in this nation. Well, I don't think a person in his uh, normal mind would contemplate to return these people to power in the next election. We have to make very clear that we are very unhappy with the current status quo in this nation. There, there literally is uh, no opposition in uh, Western Australia because the, the the Liberal Party is so weak both uh, in yeah. what they stand for and politically. They were reduced to a rump in the West Australian Legislative Assembly at the 2021 state election. Two seats. The National Party is the official opposition. Uh, in the review into uh, what went so badly for the, the WA Liberals, uh, blame was put at... Uh, uh, a power-broking group uh, referred to as the Klan and uh, its senior members, former Finance Minister WA, uh, Senator Matthias Cormann, uh, now head of the, the OECD, former Minister Peter uh, uh, Collier, and uh, the other one there is... Uh, are you, yeah. are you uh, Nick Goran. That is yeah. Nick Gordon. Yeah, yeah. 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 Nick is a good guy. Nick is um, uh, one of the few decent uh, members of parliament that we have in Western Australia. I remember that when I was a commissioner, uh, uh, I mentioned to him that uh, the bill that uh, the Liberal Party was introduced, apart from these uh, other bills that they introduced, destroying uh, the rule of law and destroying protection. Uh, against false accusations. 
uh, I, I can refer even to the Health Act that was introduced under the Colin Barnett uh, government. So what uh, McGowan is doing here in Western Australia uh, is a result of a bill introduced, uh, passed, passed, introduced and passed by the um, uh, uh, previous liberal government. So it's amazing. But Nick Goran is a good man, and he um, tries to do the right thing. But the point is that um, uh, the leader of the party now is a person who is pretty much responsible for the problem because he, he proposed David Honey, a policy that was considered to be so stupid and radical that I guess not even the Greens would, would embrace it. That was to stop with coal, uh, 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 burning of coal in, in a period of five years. So by five years, we would have no coal in Western Australia. This is so stupid that nobody took it seriously, uh, apart from uh, making a, in their minds the decision to never vote for a party that proposes such a, such a stupid idea. And of course, uh, he got rewarded for his stupid idea, and he is now the leader of the party. I guess that if you really have something really bad that is probably alienating more voters, you, 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 can, you can potentially be chosen as the leader of this party. And, and uh, I'm not so sure whether he did such a thing, but the Australian Financial Review claimed that, um, that he also accused Christians for being um, responsible for the decimation of the party in that particular election, saying that the problem in the party is that uh, there are too, much, too many Christians and the influence of Christians in, in the party. Well, he would probably have an issue with Robert Menzies, by the way, because I have uh, the books of Robert Menzies behind me, where he was very, a very proud Presbyterian and always acknowledging the fact that um, he was doing something that he believed to be ultimately pleasing God. So I, I guess this would uh, lead to his expulsion of the party, <coughs> because um, if you make such remarks, you're considered to be too radical. Well, the, the South Australian Liberal Party, uh, in their, their term in, in office, uh, they blocked uh, Christians from uh, joining the party, uh, excluded uh, conservatives uh, from the, the Marshall government and voted out uh, in a landslide, a electing a actual, well, a more, well, a conservative Labor premier, which is a rarity these days. Uh, Peter Malinaskis actually <laughs> quite more uh, conservative in his values than uh, Stephen Marshall. And uh, going to uh, New South Wales, the uh, uh, the only mainland state where the, the Liberals uh, are still in power. There was a lot of hope that uh, Dom Perrottet, being a conservative uh, Catholic, uh, would uh, uh, would uh, re repair the state in a, a freedom uh, libertarian uh, direction, uh, but he's uh, fallen into line with health measures that he admitted uh, did nothing, such as QR codes, and and uh, he's just uh, succumbed to to Brad Hazard and and Kerry Chant on a, a number yeah. of occasions, yeah. and he's also a 
uh, facilitated uh, Scott Morrison's federal intervention in the, the Liberal Party, which uh, was uh, concocted by his man on the, the New South Wales State Executive, Alex Hawke, to save his own pre-selection, made sure that there were no pre-selections. So Scott Morrison, Dominic Perrottet selected 12 uh, candidates just uh, uh, just last weekend for the, the federal election and expelled uh, the uh, party member who uh, brought a federal and high court uh, challenge uh, to, uh, to it, uh, Matthew Kamanzuli. Uh, uh, I'll probably mispronounce yeah. that as well. It's a Maltese name, I'm told. Yeah. Well, you see, this is a, a great tragedy because uh, uh, some people had uh, expectations, uh, held very good uh, expectations about uh, about uh, the new premier in New, New South Wales. But uh, one of the signs that uh, he would not be able or willing even to uh, resist and to do the right thing was the... Um, uh, fact that he kept uh, Brad Hazard as the health minister. This person, the way he talks, I think he needs anger management. And certainly um, it's the behavior of a brutal and even psychopathic dictator. He talks in a way that's actually utterly aggressive and offensive. He calls people names and it's just completely erratic, the behavior of this person. It might, might, it makes me wonder how on earth the population of a free society would actually tolerate the um, uh, sort of language that's being employed by some of these uh, characters. It's, it's utterly offensive. And uh, it actually makes me wonder whether he, they really think that they are um, equal citizens before the law, because we would expect that politicians represent us in parliament and ultimately they are working for us. They should be regarded as our, even employees, you know. Can imagine if I go to my boss here at Sheridan and talk to him like that? Well, this guy was elected by us. We have to dismiss these people, especially Brad Hazard. We have to fire a person like that because you have no right to offend your employer namely the citizens who elected him in such a manner. I mean, and of course, then you have to be merciful enough to perhaps give him some financial contribution for him to go to a clinic where he can be treated because his behavior is of a, a lunatic. And it's really disturbing to see the intensity of the hatred towards the population in this country by these uh, ruling uh, politicians. So. There is something intrinsically wrong when you tolerate this sort of behavior coming from our elected representatives. They don't think they are like us, and they don't think they are under the rule of law. Oh, you wonder what uh, Brad Hazard was like as a, a high school teacher all those uh, years back. Uh, no, no wonder uh, he moved on to the, the legal uh, profession. Uh, but he's he's been a career politician. I mean, he's been in the parliament for, for 30 years. He's now 70. I mean, is it just about power and uh, privilege uh, for him to continue in that in that age as well? And this is another problem with the uh, a lot of the the people elected to to parliament. They they want they. 
they they they, they want power for for power's sake right right in the, the cars with the flag on the bonnets and even those who came to to parliament uh, with uh, a lot of uh, strong principles to to begin with uh, they uh, do what is uh, politically uh, expedient. Uh, it's it's quite uh, I'm quite uh, quite perplexed. Uh, Tim Wilson, uh, member for Goldstein, uh, pushing uh, renewable energy so much when ten years ago he was part of the uh, Institute yeah, yeah. of Public Affairs, yeah. which uh, fought against uh, these yeah. uh, these sorts of uh, government. Uh, measures to uh to, to push uh renewable energy yeah and he was also an, a fierce advocate for freedom of speech and he has done nothing about free speech you know so it seems that once he uh became a member of parliament he suffers now from amnesia and he has forgotten everything he stood for in the past it's really uh, a demonstration that once you are part of these uh ruling class you just forget your own identity or character and the things that you fought for in the past i just wonder what my my friends in the ipa think about tim wilson now it'd be good to ask john roskin what he thinks about about him and certainly you have to make make it very clear that uh, these people who have uh, ignored what they had promised in the past that this will be held accountable when it comes to the chance that we have to make better decisions, I think this next election will be quite crucial for the future of this nation. And certainly I have never expected uh, anything so good to come from this sort of people. But um, I hope the, the population in general here in Australia, in our nation, are not going to once again disappoint us. We have now to vote much better. We cannot afford another mistake this time, otherwise it will be too late and the price will be very, very dear indeed. I mean, the, the only reason to, I would say, preference uh, the Liberals before the, the Labour and, and Greens party is because, and uh, you don't uh, touch upon the, the national security challenges that we're facing in uh in your book, but that is the the only reason to to put the Liberals ahead yeah. of Labor because uh, having Penny Wong as the the Foreign Minister, who's uh, uh, been a, a CCP uh, apologist, and uh, Christina Keneally as the the Home Affairs Minister, who well she is terrible on uh, freedom and and free speech and uh, yeah. she also stumbles into various uh, uh, photo ops with CCP uh, uh, linked uh, groups. I mean her in charge of uh, ASIO, uh, the AFP, uh, the uh, border force. Yeah. I mean yeah. she's actually uh, attacked the the unshackled directly in in, in an op-ed. Uh, well, so, you must be doing something really good then. I know, but it's 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 uh, more frightening if she was was given the this uh, immense control over Australia's uh, security agencies. So, so that's the the only thing that is in Scott Morrison and the Liberals' favour. They're not yeah. uh, Labor. Uh, they're not going to have all those people in their cabinet, but. Another thing you've also touched upon is there is no uh, fiscal uh, 
responsibility management uh, in the, the Liberal Party anymore. I mean, they've just spent like crazy in this budget and over the past uh, two years. Yes. Well, you see that uh, we should thank God for having then the preferential voting system. So it doesn't mean that um, you should uh, put labor ahead of the liberals. I think it's important to put everyone there at the very bottom. But then the order from bottom up needs to be wise. So certainly I would put at the very bottom either liberal. Sorry, uh, I will correct myself. Either labor or the Greens. So they should go at the very bottom. And then after that, you can make up your mind. But I don't think we should reward bad politicians. There are a couple of politicians in the Liberal Party who are good people. Uh, that um, uh, Gerard, Rumik, there is that Gerard, is uh, Remick, and there is Alex, Alex Antic. And uh, I, it's hard to find some more than that, but um, but you can find some good people. Alex Antic is very good. Yes. And, and, and um, Gerard as well. So we vote for them because these are the kind of people who would never even hold a portfolio with Scott Morrison. Yeah. They are too good to be members of cabinet. It seems that to be a member of his cabinet, you must be incompetent and certainly not very well, liberal. Uh, a, a, <laughs> one of his uh, uh, right-hand men in the, the cabinet, Stuart Robert, I mean, he's proven himself uh, very incompetent, but is still in the cabinet. Yes, absolutely. So that, that's because it fits the requirement then. Oh, look, um, Tim, I need to go. I have to it's have a, a, a meeting a, in five minutes. But uh, I must say to you, it's a good to talk to you. Yep. And uh, uh, if anybody wants to, to get a, a copy of the book, uh, it's uh, they can get it at uh, uh, lockpress.com. Uh, yeah. I'll let you go now, but thank you so much uh, for your time and analysis and for hopefully catch up again post-election to see uh, what you make of whatever the next government is made up of. Yeah, we need to make sure to hold the balance of power in the upper house. So what I'm telling people, especially when it comes to the Senate, is that they have the opportunity to control the government. We must make sure that good people can hold the balance of power in the Senate. So it's possible there is still a hope, but certainly um, we have to be wise and, and make the right choices this time. Yeah, definitely. Amen to that. Take care. Thank you so much and God bless you and keep up the good work. I really admire what you do. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. This is Will's Right, brought to you by theunshackled.net. And we're back live. Uh, so I always enjoy uh, when it's a, a pre-recorded show. Obviously, I always like all of my uh, interviews to be live, but uh, it's not always possible. But uh, I do enjoy interacting uh, with my followers in the, the, the live chat during when, when those shows are playing rather than obviously when I'm on air uh it's it's hard to obviously i can interact on, on air but i can't sort of get into uh in-depth discussions with uh, a lot of you in the in the chat which I, I always always enjoy 
and uh, Dawn Browning, as meant it's because uh, Augusto mentioned uh, at the end that uh, preferential voting means that you can put uh, minor parties that uh, in this election are more pro-freedom before uh, the majors. So yes, there is a Topher Fields video on how preferential voting works. And uh, there's also uh, Pauline Hanson's Please Explain cartoons had one voiced by uh, John Burgess. So your vote is powerful this election. I noticed that there was a few at the beginning of the chat uh, saying that uh, they intend to, to donkey vote. Uh, please uh, take your vote uh, seriously. Uh, we do have a very integral uh, elections here in Australia and plus uh, I also I can't advocate for any of you to, to do anything else other than uh, vote valid validly because uh, because to say anything else would be against uh, AEC regulations but definitely want all of you to cast a, a valid, uh, well-informed vote. And uh, we'll be here at the Unshackled on Wilmsfront, Tim's News Explosion uh, and Trad Tasman Talk uh, covering and analysing uh, the election, which there's, there's 40 days to go. It's an incredibly long uh, campaign of six weeks. And obviously, Scott Morrison, the, the reason why he called it for this long, because he wants... Uh, wants uh, more time for Albo to uh, be able to trip himself up. I mean, he succeeded on the, the first day. Uh, who knows what other gaffes there were going to be. And uh, Scott Morrison, obviously, he, uh, he is a, a good uh, campaigner, as 2019 proved. I mean, we discussed all his flaws uh, with Augusta Zimmerman before, but one thing he's good at is uh, election campaigning there and uh, we'll be uh, co uh, covering not just the lead up to the election but election night here at the Unshackled with an election night live stream 6 p.m. Uh, Melbourne time uh, when the polls close on the, the eastern states so it'll be myself and a panel of regular contributors uh, Stephen Berry of Trad Tasman Talk. Uh, he'll be a, a panellist, so will uh, Kyle Kutazi, who's been a regular guest on, on Wilmsfront. Uh, I'll go into more about uh, what's happened so far in the campaign on tomorrow night's uh, Trad Tasman Talk, 7pm Melbourne time, 9pm Auckland time, on the Unshackled's YouTube channel. Dewey has got his voice back, which is why we had to postpone last uh, Friday's show, but he's, he's all good and uh, can say a lot. And uh, there's uh, quite a bit happening uh, across the, the, the ditch as well, across the Tasman Sea. And then on Thursday, another Wilmsfront uh, with independent Victorian Senate candidate Damien Richardson of Cafe Locked Out, Locked Out, a former actor. I'm looking forward to chatting with him about his campaign and also his uh, experience in uh, showbiz in Australia. Uh, there will be no Trad Tasman talk this Good Friday because, well, it's, a bit, it's the, the most holiest day on the, the Trad calendar and so it'd be inappropriate for us to to have a show on Good Friday, but back on Easter Monday uh, for a Tim's News explosion. Been trying to have a little news blast in each of my Wilms Run episodes. Uh, so 
it'll return dedicated a dedicated ex, a news explosion after three weeks. It's just when these uh, interviews uh, align for Wilmsthorne, it's best to, to get them out there in a in a timely manner. So I hope you've enjoyed uh, the festival of Wilmsthorne episodes uh, throughout the the, the fortnight. Uh, but this time next week, it'll be back with uh, Tim's news explosion. So take care, everyone. I'll see you again uh, tomorrow night, uh, as I mentioned, uh, 7 p.m. Melbourne time on the Uncheckled YouTube channel for Tim's News Explosion, where I'll go in in my Australian Report section to uh, what's been happening in the campaign and also, well, the the other uh, uh, degender, degenerate uh, things that have been happening in, uh, in Australia as well because there's been some shocking developments over the past week. All right, take care, everyone. Uh, good night. Uh, see you tomorrow. Stay safe. Uh, stay sane. Thanks for tuning in to Wilmsfront. Visit timwilms.com or Rational Rise TV to view the archive of episodes. And keep visiting theunshackled.net to view all our shows and to keep up with the latest real news and analysis.